Heidi ho ladies and gents, and welcome to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. radio program by Fantastic Geek. We are the official, unofficial voice of the marvelous Marvel film and television community. My name is Matt, and joining me once again is the man who says, How's it going, Govna? To old FDR himself, it's Pete. What's buzzing, cousin? Apologies for the high volume. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. rodeo program by Fantastic Geek for episode 701, The New Deal. It's brought to you by Royal Canadian Mounted Police Badges, because faceless bodies happen all the time in Canada. Pete, so glad to be back talking S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like it was never gone. It is a bright spot in these strange, dark times. And, I mean, my goodness, you think of you think of where the show was in season six, perhaps even season five as well, and a high watermark indeed as we return here to 701 and return back to the final mission. It's almost like they knew as they were filming this a year ago these weird times we would be in and need an uplift, need a return to, though depression era, somehow brighter times. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting this episode explores, as a smaller story point, the white person problem of not having enough booze while people of color are victims of systemic racism. I can't help but look at our news and want to see more of Max enthusiasm uh, in, in our lives, in our world. It's amazing how the social commentary has somehow even more relevance today. When we catch you up on what went down, New York City, 1931. Car drives down a slick street just outside the cut-rate drugstore. Inside, a trio of crooked coppers are expecting someone with some cash, but instead receive three early visitors in the form of sentient Chronicom hunters from Chronica 2. Captain William Dole of the 4th Precinct tells them to beat it before they regret being born. But the joke's on him, Matt. Chronicoms ain't born. Um, wonderful reintroduction here of Chronicoms as a character concept. We, of course, see that one of them has uh, a large suitcase with a techity-tech thingy. Um, the cops draw on the Chronicoms, but... Chronicoms draw faster. Uh, the two goons take out the two underlings. See a little bit of hierarchy there. Uh, the main Chronicom uses the device on Dole, taking his face literally in a scene that is appropriate for ABC at 10 p.m. Cut to Pete, Chronic Cop Dole. See what I did there? He's suiting up. Uh, the intended bootlegger arrives. Uh, however, the other Chronicoms still have half-robot faces because the effects are on point screaming which leads us to our wonderful use of the title card here marvel presents agents of shield in the script font a cloaked zephyr one hovers over an illuminated city we relive simmons introduction of lmd colson and daisy pushing the green button colson comes online says hey guys and now into new footage uh asks why no one's talking he digs daisy's hair but simmons informs him he's missed a lot and the last scan of his brain came from the framework she's done her best to update it 
but he may feel some disorientation as his mind catches up. He notes his left arm feels different. Daisy blurts out that he is an LMD, enhanced with Chronicom hardware. He died and said goodbye and came back. He looks like Pachakutek. He calls out for May. He remembers Tahiti, Talbot, what happened to Fitz. Two years of information all at once, and Mac slams the button to shut him down. What is doubly incredible about this scene is, first of all, it seamlessly uh, knits together season six and season seven, as you pointed out. Uh, Initially, I was like, wow, what must it be like to stop filming the one season and then you come back and try and pick up where you left off then there's the the double realization of you know while there was a break over the holidays i believe kind of a thanksgiving to new year's break in filming for the show this scene was probably filmed at the end of 613 like as part of the as part of the filming of it they probably had the script ready to go etc cetera, etc cetera. so while we are experiencing this this false break and we're used to it in tv you know cliffhanger in between seasons and they come back and the hair's a little bit different this was probably filmed all on the same day as literally the last thing that we saw from shield you know 10 months ago and a season ago head spinning to think about here as is the notion that anything lmd related is a dld matt a director level decision so mac has taken it off the table for debate he wants to know everything from simmons zephyr one lands still cloaked and simmons explains the chronicoms want to take earth and shield is the only one that can stop them as deke and yo-yo join them the ship is a time machine now but they can't quite jump to any point in time not even simmons understands it There are these launch windows leading to specific points in time and space, which Fitz calls tides. The Chronicoms took one, and they, S.H.I.E.L.D., followed them. Daisy asks, why 1931 when S.H.I.E.L.D. won't exist until the 50s? Simmons never expected to go this far back. They're flying on autopilot, but they've prepared the best they could. May rests in her capsule. Take us to Simmons' new S.H.I.E.L.D. command center, Matt. Yes, I would like to nickname it the Tech Deck, by the way. Uh, And, I mean, so much of what you just described is essentially the pilot for season seven. It's the the, the setting of the table for people who might have forgotten what's what in the last uh, ten months and, indeed, just setting the table for for these 13 episodes that are to come. we have the basic rules of the season regarding time travel, regarding what Zephyr One can do, regarding where and when they can and cannot go. Uh, we're at the tech deck uh, with a montage. We got the gun wall. We got the hollow table. We got the background blinky light uh, displays and such. We also have Enoch headphones yelling. Um, and I must confess, Pete, you know, I, I, I bleed shield blue, same as everybody else. I had kind of lost track of Enoch's status. I know at the end of last season, there was obviously more kind of time loops and whatnot. And I know that we lost Enoch and I know that we got him back. Um, but to see him here, it was just like, ah, yes, this this season needs Joel Stoffer for the entire yeah. season, please. Um, the, the show is all the better for any bit that he is included in it. 
Uh, and he has, uh, he and all, uh, get ready to dig into the time period. Uh, there's outfits, there's props. Pete, we have the Doc Brown patented case or drawer of money from all sorts of times. Um, and uh, we find out, Pete, little kind of character updates here, just in terms of changes that need to be made. Um, again, it's almost as though there's this break from season six was that other season with those other people running it, even though there's been no change here, but they're leaving the past in the past. Yo-Yo is temporarily quarantined. Oh man. Uh, and Daisy has to do something. I know something. how that feels. Yeah. Daisy has to do something with that purple hair. So again, there's all this, you know, flashbang. There's all this Enoch is funny. There's all this, you know big wide shot and close-ups of the new tech deck and whatnot but it really this is a pilot for season seven and this is saying hey you like daisy's hair gone hey you want yo-yo to speed in and solve every problem in this episode not yet so on and so forth yeah and uh we're told that fitz designed everything here fitz who does not appear in this episode because it's too dangerous for any of them to know where he is so one of the mysteries we'll dig into in a little bit. Mac wants boots on the ground and sends Deke to get them clothes. Uh, Daisy asks Simmons about May, whose core temperature is, quote, nearly there, unquote. Then they can proceed, whatever that means. Okay. How long exactly have they been apart, Matt? Uh, too long, which is just enough to describe both the break and whatever they anticipated uh, the distance between the uh, actual time of the episodes. With that, we cut to Mac booting Colson back up. Phil's caught up now. Uh, Colson was, of course, against being brought back. Mac does hate robots. However, the Chronicoms have scans of Fitzsimmons' mind uh, and Fury's black box. Only Colson can save the world. Uh, time to find those comic cons before they change something. And I think Pete, I was not a, I was not hugely in love with season six. Um, I think that it did what you had to do after the show. The show believed that they were killing off Coulson for forever at the end of season five, then got the surprise renewal. So they had to honor Coulson's loss by having him lost for all of season six. But here, this kind of wipes away whatever whatever qualms or quibbles I might have for season six. This wipes it away because, sorry, Coulson, you might be against this. We all might be against this, but only Coulson can save the world. That's a proper reframing of using Coulson, even in this ensemble show, even where, you know, perhaps people slightly more youthful are going to be the ones in later scenes picking up stunt actors and slamming them to the ground and things like that. Only Coulson can save the world. It is this soft reboot that within the characterization works remarkably well here. It's believed that Coulson may be the only one to recognize some clue. He'll do anything for his fellow agents here, but if they get through this and back, he wants to reevaluate, huh? Put a pin in that for the end of the series Mac as well. So, the resolution within sight, but we have these last adventures to go on. Enoch reports that three NYPD bodies have been found without faces, so now we know where to head. This is a particularly invasive hunter procedure to steal identities. Deke is back. Time to suit up and hit the streets as we hit an act break. 
After that act break discussion, mightn't there be a butterfly effect? Here, Pete, the show, finally able to respond to the spanking given by by being uh, out of the loop for Endgame. Deke debates the multiverse versus time stream. Okay, multiverse, we get it. Branching timelines and so forth. Time stream, it's okay to splash around a little bit without causing trouble. You don't want to cause such a big thing as to dam it up and cause the water to move in a new way. And I feel like that's just a really elegant... I mean, I've heard that general thing before. I mean, that's the, you know, whatever happened, happened. Take from Lost and other places. But how it's described here... Uh, due respect to my beloved Lost, the time stream being like a stream that will continue to basically flow as it wants to flow as long as you don't do too much, that is just an elegant description, and that gives the wiggle room here. So, you know, I don't know where the show is going to end up in terms of multiverse versus time stream. I think it's a debate worth keeping an eye on, especially if there is full reintegration into the MCU uh, such as it is, or if we get that, you know, nobody knew Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland all are going to show up in the series finale or whatever, <laughs> whatever that's going to look like. Time stream makes it possible. And that description here, again, so small. Pete, this is an episode written by Kitson, so named or rather who gave his name to Kitson City of Planet Kitson and Mr. Kitson. Um, it, it's just such an elegant way to describe it. Ripples, not waves here. Uh, and as part of making these ripples, Mac is noticed by some bystanders as uh, being an African-American in a very fine suit, not something they're used to seeing. Uh, Deke had printed out some badges for them before they left, not of the greatest quality, which leads Coulson to improvise that he is with the Royal Canadian Mounted police as they prepare to access the crime scene here mac lets them know they find bodies all the time without faces in canada we get a sexist remark from the nypd grunt at daisy here and she threatens to break his ribs we of course know she can really do that with inhuman powers so being in the know makes it all the more funny and less threatening for us. They uh, enter the crime scene. Deke finds whiskey. See, there is booze. That whole prohibition thing, that was just a joke. Pete, I don't know if that's some sort of social commentary as to what happens when there's, uh, you know, uh, inappropriate governmental overreach or, or what. I don't know. It was but... more so with him. He didn't understand why it was made illegal that even the Cree let them uh, make their own hooch is it boot swill what he said and then i had this notion of like boot boot juice boot juice like can you make alcohol in a boot and it was i don't know Look, anywhere I, you can ferment i mean make it in a bathtub why not in a boot i know there are some people who are not deke fans i know our agents of shield fan director uh jen phillips on twitter there i know she's not a deke fan i know that deke as a if Deke were a real person, some of his, you know, kind of sexism kind of stuff is, is he's not a guy I'd want to hang out with in real life. Let me put it that way. Not certainly not all the time. Deke on the show, though, he adds a levity. He adds a goofiness, um, particularly since we have all the other agents are all grown up now. We're far from, you know, we're far from 
uh, you know, the, the hacker in the van. What are you guys doing with badges? And Deke just, he adds that little spark there. Really, really enjoy him. But anyhow, Coulson sees that on the booze, there's a picture of a swordfish, which reminds him rather maybe clunkily, I don't know, but reminds him of an SSR safe house in the area. Password swordfish. You know what, Pete? Now that I've reread my notes here, um, I'll allow it. Coulson, if he's thinking clunkily, he is part robot man now, so I'll allow it. Uh, we get where, th- where things are going to get set up, though. We get that set up here. Coulson and Mac are going to go to the safe house location or whatever, wherever, whenever that was in time. And Deke and Daisy are going to to uh, stab and scan the bodies. Cut to May in a flashing and humming tube observed by Enoch here as her wound is repaired. Yo-Yo asks Simmons if they can trust Enoch. Remember, some of our characters had still not met him. She says yes, uh, even though it's his kind that's after them. But Simmons is alive because of him. May, Matt, should be up in a week or two. So definitely not by the end of the episode and by up also on the ceiling. The Shrike material uh, has dissolved inside Yo-Yo's vascular system. Body appears to be breaking it down. There's the reaction of relief here that she'll be cleared from this. Oh, and one more thing in this case. Here, I have it open now. These are new human arms. And I see this giving of the arms, which I know uh, Yo-Yo has yet to kind of fully take receipt of them. I kind of see it on two levels. She put them on and wore them and sniffed them. Well, well, she's she's reluctant certainly at first. Um, I think on the one hand, look if you want to say, uh, "Hey, Natalia Cordova Buckley, uh, we're not going to have you wear, wear those weird gloves anymore. We're going to do science, science, so you can use you know your regular hands." I think that was probably desire on one level. Kind of in the background, Pete, I'm thinking you know discussion in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Do we? It's 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 a bummer for Lavar Burton to be wearing this visor thing. If we give you know there was the exploration do we give him eyes during the show so it's da 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 then what does that say about somebody who is disabled and we magically make that go away that was kind of in the back of my head but i think at the end of the day uh i'm happy that natalia cordova buckley in between scenes doesn't need to like be handed one of those little rubber pens to use her phone and now she just has regular hands and i'm fine with it she doesn't want to draw attention, uh, Simmons, to her robot hands, but at the same time, Yo-Yo doesn't want to pretend it didn't happen. Uh, she's not ashamed of it. It's going to be something that takes some time in this episode, of course, moving forward. Colson leads Mac to the speakeasy under an old post office. Mac is hoping they're serving. The password gets them in. The password also appeared in a Marx Brothers movie, Horse Feathers, but not for another year. Maybe they even hung out there. And Matt, we get inside and we meet the Marx Brothers? Uh, We don't. We meet uh, the barkeep who has himself a gun, uh, which comes out after they say they want to see Gemini. So, oh man, moment of greatest tension. We cut to somewhere else. We cut back to Deke and Daisy. Can't he scan faster? Uh, he's trying to rebuild their faces uh, based on techity tech DNA. Uh, with that, the police arrive, but we know it's the Chronicom cops or Chronicops. They recognize Quake, 
Uh, the three of them have a plan. Isolate and eliminate all members of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Deke gets one face fully scanned, rebuilt, etc. in his device. He starts on the next one. Uh, Daisy gets brought to, at least towards the back of the shop, by one chronic cop. Uh, the other has plans to get Deke. And we have an act break at this moment of tension. Act three begins with uh, that Deke scanning continuing as the door opens. This is Chronicom Able entering. It's Kane up the back. See what they did there, Matt. Uh, and there's nothing to see inside the crime scene except, of course, era-appropriate police work. Oh, and it's a trusted officer of the law, as he's always been, who chokes out Deke. Uh, and I think Pete, he had just noticed that one of the face scans, like uh, as though it was written this way, he sees the scanned face looked up. There's the cop who's choking him. Right. Uh, simultaneous to that out back Daisy is, is inspecting the mysterious truck. Uh, the cop draws his gun. She sees it in the, uh, in the rear view mirror there and they fight. Uh, we have patented uh, cut uh, cross cutting for agents of shield. Deke shocks his cop and scoots out back. Daisy Quaker cuts him. You know, it's like it's like an uppercut, but it quakes Pete. Through the, through the little leather gloves, too. No gauntlets. <laughs> um, Deke tries to start the truck, and he does, you know, because internal combustion engines are easy. Uh, they split, leaving a cop. And whew, after that, Pete, take us back to the speakeasy. Tell me about Jimmy Bottles. Colson uh, tells them he's not there to cause trouble, but they are nosing around the same day. Old Jimmy Bottles has gone missing. Uh, but Colson doesn't have anything to lose. He's already been dead. He dodges and then turns the gun on the barkeep. Mac fights. These LMD uh, reflexes definitely have perks. They're hoping to talk to the man in charge who calls them chuckleheads. It is a mustachioed Patton Oswalt Koenig, this Ernest Hazard Koenig, the contact Gemini. Is he a twin? We just don't know yet. You hear that, you candy canes? They come in peace. On Zephyr 1, Yo-Yo has hands again. Simmons on the tech deck is stuck. But Yo-Yo is happy for the upgrade. How can they find Fitz's message? Uh, they'll overcome the distance in space and time again. Until then, keep quiet, keep a low profile. Honk, honk, out back. It's the truck with an undead Chromicon. Not quiet at all, indeed. Let's tie him up. Pete, take us back to the speakeasy. Koenig interrupts Colson and his... Ouch, Matt. Shadow? Say what? They're going to keep it civil here though we get a formal introduction to darren barnett's freddy at least the first name for now found on the street koenig lets him sleep there and uh koenig and freddy and the rest learn there's a new gang in town ruthless killers that colson and mac want to take out koenig is supplying the political party tonight paying the coppers to look the other way, the governor is in from Albany, and they can't have anybody pinched over a couple of martinis. Wait a minute. The governor is FDR. Freddie drops a bottle just at that time that gives Colson the opportunity to tell Mac, 
that FDR will be elected president next year, then form the SSR. The Chronicons running security will be the only ones armed. They will easily assassinate the president who is not yet the president as we cut to the location of the gala as the Governor Roosevelt sign is raised in front of our fake cops. In a big set with lots of extras. I mean, a far cry from season six, certainly. Uh, we have an act break and then it's party time. Mac is encouraged to work faster. Uh, he, of course, is ready to pound the next jerk. And I think we're all, we're all for that. Uh, Coulson can't wait for FDR to get there. It'll be a whole new deal. Hey, that's the episode title. They said the episode title, Pete. They did. The dad joke glitch has uh, successfully transferred to the LMD model. Uh, on Zephyr 1, the captured chronic cop won't talk, uh, even with Yo-Yo's arms putting some, uh, putting some hurt on him. Time for Simmons to plug in an overflow of data, just like Coulson experienced. <gasps> we didn't even know that that was set up before. Uh, she ups the speed, giving him the shakes. We head back to the party where Daisy apologizes to Coulson for bringing him back. Uh, then FDR walks in, arm in arm, arm in arm with his son by use of braces. And I have to say, Pete, I think he was a pretty good FDR, that actor. He was. I was wondering when I watched it, would we see somebody of import that we might recognize as far as an actor, but wise not to go for that here. Uh, Coulson's fanboy explains to Daisy that he's walking. Polio had put him in a wheelchair uh, the baller move explained for later when the, the trust is exchanged along with the handshake and Coulson helping him back into the chair. Uh, but his campaign will overturn prohibition and end it in 1933. Mac also notes that it is FDR who fought against discrimination in the workplace with some uh, legislation penned there by FDR, signed by FDR. And uh, I think a good a good acknowledgement uh, of the time, the place, etc. cetera. Uh, so, Freddie, how did you make your way onto the show? Uh, Mr. Koenig offered him some work, wants to keep working his way up. Pete, it's also a way for the show to keep Freddie kind of on the periphery, but on our radar uh, nonetheless. We head back to Zephyr 1, Chronic Cop Kane starting to overload. But they know how to pull the thread properly to end shield. How will you hit FDR? Back at the party there, the LMD thing is not that bad for Coulson. With FDR, he's looking good. Daisy's looking great. They're both superheroes now, but Daisy notes that FDR is exposed. We have some cross-cutting going on from Zephyr 1. Uh, there's the overloading of the Chronicom. We also see back at the party, FDR you know, as the target on the move. Um, he's interrupted, FDR is, by Coulson, but there's no worries, there's no problem. Uh, FDR, in this, you know, private, uh, you know, service alley here, uh, he takes his chair. It's going to be kept a secret. What are the agents missing, though? Uh, because clearly this attack on FDR that they thought was about to happen is not happening. Um, we see out at the bar a woman in red ordering a special thing at the bar with Freddie. Turns out she's the contact. Uh, an intercut, uh, we see the chronic cop saying that Freddy is the thread. 
uh, before the chronic cop melts and uh, the existing chronic cops prepping to make the move, all that intercutting, Pete, I'm ready for an act break. Yes, the final act here begins with Simmons uh, telling them that uh, Freddie is the target, our agents on the ground at the party. Uh, the woman tells Freddie, or Thready, maybe we want to call him at this point, uh, that she worked with his powerful father until he took the coward's way out. Uh, but this isn't news to Freddie. He was there. Uh, she has a job for him. It's a second chance to deliver this in a little uh, case to the docks. It's some sort of uh, green liquid in a vial. There's a number of them. And if he does this, her employer will reward him and his family's glory will be restored. Hey, what's in the vial? Just the future. Hopefully it's the ooze. What turns turtles into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I don't know if we're getting the massive crossover <laughs> set up here. Fingers crossed. Uh, Chronicops show up shooting the lady in red. Uh, confirmed again that Freddy is the thread. Daisy, however, blasts the cop into the kitchen. Time to fight. Colson arrives. Robot hands are hard, but the fight is harder. Especially Daisy getting thrown over a table. This really is a great, uh, a great kind of bare knuckle fight here. Uh, then we get Pete. One of your favorite moments here is Daisy uses the baseball move on a chronic hop uh, to send him out to the dance floor. With that, though, our heroes are gone. Uh, in the speakeasy, Freddy isn't back. Old man Malik left him no money because his name is Wilfred Malik. <gasps> Surprise, surprise, Pete. Yes, this the father of Gideon Malik, the threat we've dealt with in earlier seasons, played, of course, by the late, great Powers Booth. Um, and uh, Coulson says that they need their doctor friend, of course, Simmons, to come and tend to uh, this mysterious woman. Uh, and uh, from there, uh, Freddy is in the car with uh, Mac and Deke. He needs to make this delivery. Uh, they want to know where to go. And he looks at the vial here. Coulson and Daisy put it all together that the Chronicoms are there to stamp out Hydra, which will prevent S.H.I.E.L.D. from ever having been formed. We need to save Hydra in order to save S.H.I.E.L.D. The tag scene, Enoch is alone, question mark, on Zephyr 1. Oh dear, May's gone. Again, Joel Stoffer here, just so incredible in his monotone delivery. It is I, Enoch, trusted friend, here to help. You had one job, Enoch. Uh, now she's lost. But we, of course, see May somehow perched up there on the ceiling to end the episode. The Dossier a detailed look at our bad guys. Pete, let's start with our chronic cop trio. Let's start with Dole. He kind of the main guy there. Uh, I think the actor does a great job at being both monotone and menacing. I guess in retrospect, we have a lot of monotone delivery from four Chronicom characters. But uh, I don't know. Dole somehow shines in a way that Abel and Kane do not. I didn't look up the actor's name, but definitely a character actor I recognize from other 
bit parts and the one who brings the most menace uh, as our Chronicom bad guys. We, of course, also have uh, Abel, and uh, he, Abel, A-B-L-E, uh, in his task of being a robot hunter-killer and, uh, you know, certainly uh, a, a considerable threat. The one tasked to smile there before he enters and chokes Deke out. So uh, definitely a level of menace, even with a low amount of screen time. As for Chronicop Kane, uh, it must be weird to be on a set and, you know, by way of blinky lights and hopping around in your chair, you're pretending to be, you know, overloaded, you know, kind of, kind of, sort of electrocuted. I know it's not literally what's going on, but I think that's kind of the, the performance note, you know, it's like you're being electrocuted. Um, but certainly a believable job before Mark Kolpak's visual effects blow him up. Yeah, to make him melt there and... Uh... First, we think it's going to be FDR, and then it's actually FRD. Uh, it all works, and for robot bad guys that have been played a lot worse season six, I'm looking at you, uh, another level here in terms of scanning the bodies, assuming the faces, the identities, and it all works for the era. We have the woman in red, who I must confess, Pete, even though there was, you know, is she on the side of good, bad? Is she just a courier? Is she a chronicom herself? Uh, I was surprised to see her take a bullet, uh, and presumably that's curtains for her? Well, we know that Simmons is coming, so I'm sure there's going to be some kind of last bit of dialogue before she might go, or perhaps she's saved and we learn a little bit more, uh working for hydra it might seem so uh more to come and last but certainly not least is freddy when first we meet him uh he is but the handsome faced doorman next there he is with a little bit of uh interesting thing oh he works here but mostly this scene is about koenig being a nice guy helping out the youth uh, then the third time the bell tolls and it's revealed that uh, from his loins doth spring this uh, great Hydra threat. And, uh, you know, the, the villain that we've seen in Gideon Malik in uh, previous seasons later in the timeline. And uh, I, Pete, I would have thought that maybe he was going to be a ward. I guess I wasn't off that much for him to be a Malik. <laughs> I thought you meant a ward like he's going to turn into shields ward here to, to take care of, you know, without uh, a, a parent in there anymore. I, I thought you were dealing with the literal and not the character of ward. You know, Pete, I know we're not in theories yet, but it could be both. It might be like, thanks for taking me in, Mr. Colson, sir. Boy, I'd rather be a ward of shields than continue <laughs> this Malik name. Hmm. Call me Fred Ward. Shields uh, Ward. <laughs> yeah. Who knows, Pete? The sky's the limit. Well, we know that his Hydra path is is laid out here, but the way that he's written, it seems like we want to like him. He's hardworking. He hasn't done anything bad. He's looking at this liquid like, what should I do with it? Should I do what this lady asked? Should I tell these people who are driving this car? It's almost like his future is a blank slate. Welcome to level seven. 
time to analyze and theorize. Let's start with the inability to control the time jumps, Matt. So not just 1931 that we're heading towards, right? Because big poster of Deke wearing a 1980, 1970s era headband. Uh, add to that the fact that when I went looking for uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. credits music to use for this season of the podcast, I found something called S.H.I.E.L.D. end credits 70s version. And I was like, this sounds cool. Wait a minute. I'm being spoiled here. Um, it's a long episode. <laughs> that, that's true. It starts in the 30s and ends in the 70s. I Here's what I appreciate about it. I think of one of the... Uh, Perhaps one of the less appreciated time travel movies, but one that blew my mind as a young in anyway. I'm talking about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which concludes with this kind of, but if we win, then what? Then the gun in your hand is going to have no bullets. Well, but if I win, then the gun will have bullets. And kind of this increasing kind of logic played out in front of you uh, and, and you know, to, to kind of visual delight and it's amusing and whatnot. What S.H.I.E.L.D. has done is they've said you know, kind of quasi back to the future two style. We're not going to loop back to 1931 because we made mistakes this time. And Oh no, like, you know, Daisy got gunned down by the, the guy at the truck in the alley. We're going to try it again. And we're going to try it again. And they've kind of clearly said time, time stream, time loops, time tides. We need to get it right now. And then, you know, clearly it's setting up this kind of compact, head from this the 1930s portion of this season whether it's you know it's obviously more than one uh, episode but whether it's two five whatever it is and we're going to jump and we're going to jump and we're going to jump it's 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 really surprisingly effortless how they lay out the rules for what's to come whether you've seen pictures of you know may in a 50s 60s style dress whether you've seen deke in a 70s 80s style headband and whatnot it's it's setting a clear path for the road ahead and there seems some debate, Matt, that uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't address the social commentary um, surrounding, and, and here we key in on this episode, uh, Henry Simmons' Mac in 1931. Yeah, I, I'm certainly sensitive to you know, people wanting to find the best, uh, the best balance of how shield can address that topic. And and it might be a different balance for each person to me at the end of the day, look, if the show completely ignored it, then they're not doing their, their due diligence. I think as a, as a show that does have a positive social message, if they turn this into you know, the people versus OJ Simpson miniseries that there was, if they're throwing around language that, that, that should not be used uh, in, in polite company um, things of that sort. I think that's maybe not the flavor of this show. That's not the flavor of shield that at the end of the day is, you know, kind of crazy comic book adventures moving from, from place to place to my eyes. They, they hit the formula just about right when it came to race you want to say, all right, well, there was just the one scene that addressed uh, th- that addressed uh, Quake and her being female and whatnot. If you want to say, hey, they didn't address the fact that that she is half Asian, I think that's a separate discussion. Um, I think certainly the, the 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 racial portion is perhaps a separate discussion. 
for the show to talk about discrimination four times in 42 minutes and to at the end of it as as expected to have uh the cream rise to the top and to have you know mac use his brain and his fists and quasi quasi to have a quake use her brains and her fists similarly to me the show kind of the show worked its way through that in a really elegant way the mistake would have been to ignore it altogether and they didn't do that uh not ignored but missing matt is fits where or when is he pete here we are it's a it's a season premiere of shield and uh fits and simmons are separated and perhaps fits doesn't appear in it um i kind of like that they stuck with that trope um i like that it's this um it's this lingering mystery here uh particularly since we had kind of the multi faces of fits last season you know killed off at the end of season five let's not forget um however also unkilled at the end of season five since you know they could get the other copy of him and they kind of played with different versions of fits last season i think much like the absence of colson last season um we all ship Fitzsimmons. It's the original Shield ship, and it's just appropriate to not have them together. It probably is not great for the ego to read the script and go, "Oh, uh, Ming Na Wen is in this episode in two scenes, one of which she lays down and pretends to be asleep, uh, and uh, the other which she's, you know, maybe it's a stunt woman, maybe not." And uh, Fitz uh, not appearing at all, but Pete, he appears in our hearts. That's what matters. <laughs> um, does Colson? have gears um gears ish i don't know pete since we last talked agents of shield i mean at least a a new agents of shield episode you know we've been through season one of star trek picard and exploring don't want to give too many spoilers there but exploring different ways in which synthetic life can can be built um i guess in response to your question i think of how the unmasked chronicoms appeared at the beginning of this episode that wasn't quite gears but that also wasn't quite hey we have a synthetic system that look it replicates blood vessels it replicates cheek muscles and things of that sort so uh pete i'm gonna say he might but where it all matters he's fully functional can we truly trust enoch as a chronicom i think that the show has set up enough in terms of the, the audience's time with Enoch, yes, and I think that it would be a it would be a turn that would not feel good um, to have it be revealed that oh no the beta waves have changed his brain scans now he's evil or it was all part of the plan all along he's evil I think we just like him so much that he's part of the team now um, the and you add to that the fact that. Some of the characters who didn't know him were told in rather hand-wavy fashion, oh, he's cool, be fine. I read that not as, you know, setting us up with false hopes because they're going to dash it. I just read it as, hey, the way you guys feel at home, uh, yo-yo, feel about him the same way. We're moving on. We're not going to do a lengthy, the other 48 days of Enoch and explain to yo-yo about, it's just going to be, he's cool, he's helped us, he's great, he's funny, trust him. Colson's letter is mentioned in this episode. Matt Daisy has read it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. We are still not privy to what was in it. It was her reading it, reacting to it, not 
a Clark Gregg voiceover, uh, she tells Coulson that maybe he can even read it someday. I think thus far it has been best left unsaid. You know, what words could be said that would capture the connection that those two characters, that those two actors have for each other? Um, if you, if you professional writing staff of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the past, uh, wanted to put those words into written form, the way the twists and turns have gone for the last two seasons, save that for, you know, the biggest theory of them all. Save that for the end of the series. Save that for, we're going to revisit this once everything is okay, because doth the bell toll for Coulson to die a third time i'm starting to lose track of all the colson deaths here but you know will colson die for a final time will that letter circle back i think the odds for both are pretty good this coward uh exit that freddie malik's father took feels like there's a lot more there in terms of a purported perceived suicide I, I would agree, and I would add to that the the time and place that they're at. You know, New York after the start of the Great Depression, are we talking about some sort of Wall Street fortune and uh, loss uh, loss at the stock market and that sort of thing? I mean, certainly um, well-documented reports of, of people taking their lives in that stock market crash at the start of the Great Depression. So... I don't know how much they're necessarily going to linger on that as a story point, but I think that if you want to set up Freddie Malik as a man formerly of means, a man formerly of a fortune, but it was all wiped away, and he's this wayward boy with no father figure uh, and could use one in um, Koenig or even Coulson, you know, again, the time period cries out, have the fortune wiped away, have the father taken away by the stock market and a post-stock drop taking of his own life. I really like that idea, linking it to uh, Black Monday. Uh, last from me, Matt, green liquid in the vial, Hydra referenced, the future. This has to be what Red Skull will eventually take, right? Pete, here we are all these seasons later, because of the fight between the two Marvel dads, Jeff Loeb and Kevin Feige, I'm the child torn in the middle. I don't know what to think anymore. Certainly, you know, Feige does not have dominion over all things ever said in an MCU movie to a point where you must excise from your script reference to, you know, the Battle of New York or to, you know, uh, the Hulk or anything like that, you know. The flip side is, when this show started, we were expecting this hand-in-glove connection between the two and kind of sort of got that with the Hydra reveal. And then, But that was a Hydra reveal necessitated because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did not know that the movies were getting rid of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I don't know. Could this just be a MacGuffin? I think that's possible. I mean, this is a show where things are well integrated, where hashtag it's all connected. But if we look back, you know, if we leave the 1930s in at the end of 703 and the, the ooze was never revealed uh, to be anything other than this, this area of importance that, you know, that they assign importance to and we don't know what it is. Well, that's the definition of a MacGuffin. And if they're picking up whiffs from film noir movies of the era that similarly used MacGuffins that had no real importance other than that, which the characters prescribed to them, 
then they're kind of being authentically of the era of storytelling as well. Could this be Jeff Loeb's ultimate uh, F to Fiji? The uh, super serum never gets to Red Skull. Therefore, Red Skull never gets to Vormir. Therefore, no one can ever come get the Soul Stone for him. Ha ha ha. There's your Thanos. I don't... uh... Anytime I read about, you know, kind of Hollywood power stuff or, you know, the biography of this executive or, you know, last time I read something on a, the, the this legendary super agent from the 40s through the 90s, uh, agent of, you know, actor representative, not, you know, not uh, agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of thing. I'm always amazed at uh, I'm always amazed at how great these egos can be and how bitter and personal they can be so on the one hand it's like why would jeff Loeb need to do that just make the best episode best 13 episodes of shield you can this season but could there be a twisting of the knife because you twisted the knife back because there's been this fight for all these years i mean i i, I truly would not rule it out that's not to say that jeff Loeb is a man of 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 uh you know inappropriate ego but all these people with power and responsibility you got to feel good about yourself and the choices that you make so maybe talking about choices matt and what makes us feel good and definitely does not give us a sense of ego are the people that go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek here we are pete the original fantastic geek podcast agents of shield still chugging along after all these years and that's made possible by those who do support us on patreon going to patreon.com slash fantastic geek uh we continue to be making this new content we continue to have that old content saved there and that really is all made possible by those who support us the mothership to now 19 podcast feeds across all of Marvel Cinematic Universe TV, the Star Trek shows Discovery and Picard, The Mandalorian, Watchmen, etc., all able to be found on our website, fantasticgeek.com, in addition to Apple Podcasts. Can't contribute the dollar a month it takes to get all the exclusive goodies you can get yourself over to Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a review. It is free and helps us almost as much. Let's check the wire. Pete, first up, we have a Twitter poll to talk about here. There were four choices uh, for the lowest. One broken bottle, 0%. Two robot hands, 5%. Three gold stars, that's the uh, Canadian gold stars, by the way. 17.5% and four Ever Shield, 77.5%. So off to a really, really exciting start here, uh, at least as far as the Twitter poll goes. Also, some responses. Uh, first one was from Andre Yeager. That's at Dr. Polo1983. Love it when K Tanch directs. That's episode director Kevin Tanch Rowan. Great action scenes. Great start to the season. Hashtag Agents of Shield. Uh, two tweets here from JT Atkins. That's at JTA is me. Seriously, what's not to love about the episode except the absence of fits? This will be the only season I've watched live, so I put it on my calendar. While it was bittersweet to select repeat 13 times, it is nonetheless true that no TV series, save Doctor Who, goes on forever. Uh, and we're off to a great start. Looking forward to what is to come. 
and to the complete restoration of Coulson somehow. An interesting thought there, Pete. Will we see Coulson's end, or will we see him reborn one final time back into the body of a man? The line about reevaluating at the end, if, if I had to pick what that felt like they're previewing, is that they'll get back, they will deal with all the Chronicom drama, and then at the end here, perhaps Coulson may Mac walk away. It is interesting to think that that Marissa Tantrone, Jed Whedon, etc., they wanted the Colson death at the end of the show in season five, and then best news, show comes back for twenty six more episodes. You know, there is, however, that writerly instinct though. I mean, they know that season seven is the end, at least as much as it can be an end, you know, on ABC for now, before you do the hologram table read in five years and before you know hollow netflix decides to reboot the show or whatever whatever in down the line but this is the concrete end to this series do they go back to the well again and say no we want the end to be the end i don't know but pete one more tweet here from nobel prize winner that's what they call themselves it's at uh k c uh l y e one not sure if they are an actual Nobel Prize winner. Uh, so glad to have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. back. Amazing as usual. Action, humor, mystery, great characters. Everything you want from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which if that does not capture episode 701, I don't know what does. Absolutely does. And clearly, Matt, the attention, the Marvel love here. As I tweeted Wednesday night when the episode aired, all it took was a pandemic for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finally to get this Marvel solo spotlight. Black Widow's been delayed. They've got this time to shine. And clearly everybody was watching the other night. I know you had some ratings info, but it doesn't matter. We're getting this seventh and final season impervious to what the Nielsen numbers say. Yeah, which, by the way, it was a 0.4 rating with uh, about 2 million viewers, so it's low. Well, what are they going to do? Cancel the show. It's low. What are they going to do? Preempt it for what is it? Yeah, I mean, ABC needs these 13 hours plugged up as much as as much as Marvel TV has the 13 episodes to give. Um, and you know it's the end. So it's kind of like, you know, whatever this show is going to look like uh, in a second life on streaming, you know, as you noted in our preview podcast, Pete. It's been on Netflix um, the entire time, asterisk. I don't know exactly when season one first hit, but I think it was before season two. Yes. Um, so it's been on there all these years. Um, you know, does it get a second coming when it eventually makes its way over to Disney Plus or whatever? Who knows? But we got this, and finally the ratings for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. don't matter one iota at all. That's That's a huge relief. You know, it's, all... it's bittersweet at the same time, you know, to, to not be able to check those. I mean, we think about grinding out renewals all these years um, to not have to check that information. Uh, but it also lets us know the end is coming. What are people saying about the show on uh, Facebook? Greg Gear writes in to the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Hey, guys, and it's nice to be back on the mothership. Wow, that final season opener was fantastic. It was great to see the team back together, excepting for uh, Fitz. 
although his presence was felt and operating on all cylinders. I love it when the show plays to everyone's strengths. For example, it was refreshing to see Deke while still being the butt of many jokes. I'm starting to feel targeted was able to show why he is a valuable member of the team. Kudos to the production team. The sets and costumes looked fantastic and the writing direction VFX and stunt work were top notch. You can tell that they were swinging for the fences, 1930s baseball reference with this swan song. And I can't wait for the rest of the season. Couple of random thoughts. Love the opening title card, even down to the Roman numerals denoting the year and the production company in the footer. Interesting choice for movie posters on the fence they came through. Dracula and the Phantom of the West. I am at a loss for why they picked the second movie, except for the fact that uh, they, as... It says that the as Western serial. I'm not quite sure what Greg means here. So uh, Western serial, its uh, first episode was entitled The Ghost Rides. Ghost Rider? Coincidence? I'm glad they touched on the racism that Mac has to endure instead of avoiding the issue altogether. However, we are still in the midst of the Harlem Renaissance, so perhaps a well-dressed black man is not unusual. But seeing as the imposing Henry Simmons says what to every racist comment was applause-inducing. Time for a final crazy theory. Simmons sidesteps the big question of how long they have been away twice in this episode. What if they have been gone for years, decades even? It would take that long to design and build the ship, stock the supplies, recruit the crew, and plan this complicated mission. What, is, what if Gemma is pushing 70 and is wearing a Black Widow-style hologram mask to hide her age so as to not freak out the uh, Daisy, Mac, and Yo-Yo? I don't know. Just a theory. Can't wait for next week. I think that part of the, the the bittersweet place where the show is at, knowing this is the final season, means that you can start to seed character ends um, as early as you want. And the notion that there could be, you know, we, we have Simmons sidestepping it twice here, as Greg has said. And maybe in the next episode, you know, you know, Simmons is rubbing her hand. Oh, it's just sore from all the work I've been doing. And that's all to set up old lady Simmons uh, as a reveal at some point. On the one hand, I don't want to let these characters go. But since the show stops at 713 and since you can get, I mean, we've seen it with Star Trek where you can kind of get into this precipitous fan play star wars as well to a certain degree where it's like well no 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 it doesn't need to be the ending you know and in the case of star wars i mean it's always been meant to there's meant to be their story before the movie their story after the movie there's always that to be continued um and star trek certainly like but but can't we bring back the the riker and troy uh miniseries where's that because i don't want it to be over i don't want it to be over if the show is setting up finite ends Maybe the door is left open for a Disney Plus revival in five years or whatever. If they're leaving all that aside and they're saying, we want to say the end, which is what they said at the intended end of the show, season five, um, 
set those things up. It'll hurt to see, you know, to, to see Fitzsimmons as an elderly couple, particularly since Pete, I remember seeing the two actors with you at New York Comic Con all the way back in the first season before the show was as big in the fan community as it is now. It would hurt, but it would hurt because I care about these characters and everything has a beginning, a middle and an end. So I think that's something to watch out there from. And on the one hand, I don't want to say I'm for it because I don't want it to hurt, but I'm for it in that let's give all these characters the proper ending, whether it's end of life, whether it's end of being an agent, whatever it might be. I like the idea, but like you're saying, I, I think the idea that she would have aged, you'd have to age fits similarly, and then they get the grandmotherly, grandfatherly send off. Hopefully they've spent that amount of time together. Maybe that's an episode to fill one of these 12 remaining. I, I don't know. I, I could see it going a, a couple different ways. Greg also uh, wrote in afterward in a comment. Also, did anybody catch the name of the band at the gala? Was it a reference to anything? I responded, I didn't catch it on multiple viewings. I don't believe it had a name. He said it was printed on the bass drum, but he couldn't snag the right frame to read it. R. Um, let me put it this way. If it didn't make the edit where you could see it, then even if it was a reference, yeah. maybe it wasn't a reference big enough. You know, it wasn't, I, I, I don't know. It wasn't, you know, oh, that's actually Steve Rogers' stepdad or something. You know, like it, if it's not there, then it's not there, you know, because set photos show up and we go, oh, wow, somebody inserted this really great reference to, uh, you know, to, to the, the doctor character from the first half of Captain America. Sure, but I'm, I'm okay at not existing and not knowing. Matt, earlier you referenced uh, Twitter follower and listener Jen Phillips as the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Then it's time to hear from one of the Avengers in Mary Kirk. Yes, Mary Kirk sent us the following email late at night after having been blown away by the episode. Subject the New Deal. She says in capital letters, this show holy. I then won't tell you what the next word is after <laughs> that, but it was in capital letters as well. Uh, she continues to say... They decided to just have fun with it. It's obvious, and I'm loving it and all in for it. Cannot wait for the rest. This was a delightful distraction from the real world for a super fast hour. Matt, I should add, as a proud Facebook friend of Mary, and though we've not met IRL, as the kids like to say, I hope that we one day will, um, a, a real friend and friends with many of her friends, all of whom or most of whom live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, the events of this week with the untimely uh, and inappropriate demise of uh, George Floyd, all too real. Uh, Mary and many of her friends actually having to flee from their community as a result of the uh the actions up there so uh just want to wish everybody well hope that uh they're hanging in both in minneapolis and elsewhere where there continue uh to be uh protests and understandably so and you know if we look to our fun fictional universes where somehow the good guys always win and right prevails hopefully we can get a little bit of that in our world yeah and i think that's why 
this fiction has has taken on greater importance lately. Uh, I know I saw somebody say, uh, you know, part of the reason that reruns are even more, you know, reruns or streaming old shows, that kind of thing, old favorites, that that's become more popular is you know how it ends. Though this was a new episode of S.H.I.E.L.D., I never had any doubt that the S.H.I.E.L.D. crew would make it to the end of this episode. You know, we just discussed who's going to make it to the end of the series and things like that. But there is that comfort in the familiar in these uh, greatly uncomfortable times. And uh, certainly the hope that the hope that the harmony that you see amongst the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, is a harmony that we can perhaps not learn from. I don't know that S.H.I.E.L.D. is necessarily the guiding light to, to, to change this world, but it's one example. It, you could spend a worse hour seeing people of all sorts of backgrounds working together for a common good, finding solutions and things like that. It's, 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 it's an inspiration uh, in these really challenging times. Matt, over to Apple Podcasts here where we received a review uh, on the Fantastic Geek podcast feed from the Mario Kid Reel. The headline is, This Is It, Guys, five stars, and it reads, Wow, I just first want to say how much I love Matt and Peter. I love the energy and the way they make their conversations flow without going on wild, crazy tangents. They're not just some guys talking fandom. They're geeks like us who know and love the fandom. Let's face it, you can tell when people write or talk reviews about uh, about show and they really don't quite get it. Well, these guys do. They know their stuff, subscribe and give a listen. They're fab. Well, thank you for those very, very kind words there. And I know that all our podcast children, uh, we, we view sometimes, you know, more critically, sometimes less critically, sometimes with a little bit of a finger wag, sometimes with open arms. We love all those shows with the possible exception of Inhumans, which we loved to podcast. Um, Go back and listen. (laughs) Yeah. Perhaps the most fun that I've had podcasting a show was Inhumans because it became so terrible that it just broke. It broke both of us in in, in a weird way. Um, That that thing resides on Disney plus for people to find like some kind of archival thing. (laughs) Like, what is this? Like how it hasn't become its own reddit like i found this show on uh disney plus what the heck is it (laughs) (laughs) um it's i don't know it would be interesting to go back with low expectations perhaps no expectations and shotgun the whole thing although that would probably also be you know masochistic but i digress pete you know we enjoy podcasting the shows that we enjoy and certainly we know that even if it's a weaker episode or a weaker season, you know, shield season six, it, it, it's part of the family. It's not, it's not, you know, pointing at it. So thank you again, dear reviewer for your kind words. And for his kind words in that review, Matt, we're going to be giving the Mario kid reel, the star Wars, the rise of Skywalker digital download code. So please be in touch with me and we will get you that. Ah, uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner or pork dinner or uh, I guess whatever rations there are on Zephyr 1. So congratulations there. And Pete, there's 12 episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. left. Let's savor these 12 weeks. How can people be in touch with you to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? 
You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-11,333 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH all one word like it today. Well, we will certainly be back next Saturday to talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 702. Can't wait for Wednesday to be here drinking that next episode. For now, though, Pete, the time's come for me to say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Why is no one talking? 